0: Got your Bible? I'm gonna I'm gonna throw one at you. Turn over to Joshua chapter two. How many went to Hebrews? Good, you can go there. That's where we're going next. But go. (laughs) I was just gonna throw a wrench in. Joshua chapter two, and then we'll go over to Hebrews chapter eleven as well. After that, so over in Paris, I'm gonna throw some nerdy stuff at you real quick. Over in Paris. There's a lot, over in England, Europe, that whole area, there's a lot of statues, there's a lot of uh, monuments and things like that, but there is this really tall monument, and it's called the Arc de, de Triomphe, that stands, it's 160 foot tall and 145 foot wide, you've probably seen it, you just didn't know that you was looking at it, you probably couldn't, couldn't tell what it was, but it's so big that a, a daredevil pilot could take his airplane and turn it and go right through the middle of that thing. So it's it's a big old monument and it was built started in 1806 and completed in 1833 uh, in honor of Napoleon and some of his stuff that he did some, just to uh, memorialize what he has done. But all over Europe you will see tons of these monuments and they are reminders. That's what a monument is. It's a reminder. And I know I've preached on the stones and things like that, but we need to have those monuments, those reminders, so that we don't forget. One of the things that I love about Newland, I love to go into Newland right outside the courthouse on that, I don't even know what you call it, the Veterans Memorial. Is that what they call it? I love to read that Veterans Memorial and just, just stand there and just look at that. And it's a, it's a reminder of the men and women that have sacrificed and, and have protected this country um, you know, Boone or Watauga got one a couple years ago. It's really pretty out there beside of the Appalachian Theater. It's gorgeous, but you just stand and you look at it, and you have this reminder of what has taken place and how these men and women protected us because we don't need to forget these things. We don't need to forget the importance of events in our lives. When when we think about events, we, th- we think about 9-11. We cannot forget that. When we think about the wars that have been fought, we, we cannot forget those sacrifices. But we also have events that we need to mark in our lives uh, through other things. We have important events like birthdays. So birthdays, which today is today's Tabitha's birthday. She's not here for me. Sing oh, shucks, y'all missed it. I can't sing to Tabitha today. Um, but we have events like birthdays. We want to remember birthdays. At some point, I've heard ladies tend to forget they have birthdays. They, it's like around 29, I think that's what I've heard, 29, you stop having birthdays, read it, it's not, oh, you just keep having them, okay, anyway, uh, we, we, we need to remember these events, well, through the book of Hebrews, what we've been learning is the exact same thing, what we've been going through are events, markers in faith, it's events throughout the Bible where we have seen faith just blow up in a good way. We've seen where God has moved in a great way because the people that we're studying have faith in God, and we need to remember that. Yes, we read Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. We'll get up in we're Joshua here shortly. Um, we, we read them back there, but we tend to forget after we read them. So in the New Testament, we need to have. see if that works james ain't here we'll blame it on him we have faith triumphing over death which was enoch remember we talked about enoch enoch uh he was transported he was taken from earth into heaven by a different route than we would ever imagine being taken but it was by faith as he walked he journeyed with god we have faith triumphing over uh infirmity which was abraham and sarah they had a child in, in old age one of the ones we looked at was we had uh, having faith over or triumphing over affection, which was Abraham climbing to the top of the mountain, taking Isaac with him to sacrifice him, and then God provided that ram for the sacrifice and saved Isaac. We have faith triumphing over uh, worldliness, which was uh, Moses. Remember uh, the Bible tells us that by faith Moses esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. So today, we're going to see faith triumphing over sin. Believe it or not, it can happen. Faith can triumph over the sins in our lives. There are so many people that reject. No, I'm not even going to say reject. They're afraid to come to Jesus because of the background that they've had. They will not come to Jesus because they have been a bad person. They have done bad things. They've said bad things. They just feel like they are... Just bad people in general, and they cannot come to Jesus. They say, "I'm too big a sinner; I can't go to your Jesus. He will not forgive me for what I have done." But this, this the story that we're going to read this morning over, and Joshua is going to tell tells everyone. And you need to put this in your pocket and remember this: that it does not matter your past; Jesus will save you. It does not matter what kind of person you think that you are, Jesus can save you and will save you if you'll come to him. We're going to look at Rahab. She's an example of the grace of God at work. Rahab is one of those people that in our minds and in her mind, is just too bad to be saved. She was not a good person. Her salvation was not based on her character, though. See, that's, that's the thing about salvation for, for us as Christians is that it's not based on our character. Some of the worst people in the world, some of the worst people in our jail system, in our prison system, some of the worst people that you can ever imagine can come to Jesus. It can happen. Rahab is a, is a prime example. She lived in a doomed city over in Jericho. She practiced a sinful uh, profession. She was a prostitute. She was engaged in these rebellious activities, and she lied about her actions. So she's not a good person. But she acted upon faith and was spared by the judgment of God. She acted on her faith. She did not act out of pressure. She did not act out of um, of peer pressure. She did not act out of uh, family heritage or anything like that. She acted on faith. Dr. Adrian Rogers wrote this one time. He says, Nature forms us, sin deforms us, the world conforms us, education informs us. But listen to this. He says, but faith transforms us. And he ain't wrong. Faith transforms us. Anybody that you know that has been saved, you'll see that change. That's what it does. Faith changes us. It transforms us. So these people that come to, to know Jesus... And you see them, they come up to the altar, or you pray with them, and they, they accept Jesus. Do you automatically see that change? No. It's not like flipping a switch, it's a gradual change. But it is through faith that they've come to accept Jesus, and it is through faith that they will change. They become that new creature in the Lord. That's what he's called us to, to be, is a new creature. Here was a, wo- a woman that was transformed eating tater chips, was transformed by faith. Now I want you to think about who she was and what she was. She was a pagan living in spiritual darkness. She was in Jericho. She was a harlot living a sinful life. Again, she was a prostitute. She was a Canaanite, and she was bound for sure destruction because of what was getting ready to take place at Jericho. But she was transformed so that she might marry a prince of Israel. She was transformed. She accepted the Lord and was transformed. She became the great-great-grandmother of King David. She became part of the bloodline of Jesus. So you wouldn't think that somebody like her would be somebody that would be attached to somebody as important as King David or Jesus. She went from a child of hell to a citizen of heaven like that because she had faith in God. She went from what we would call a shady lady into being a shiny star, from a call girl to a converted girl. She went from a really bad reputation to somebody that would follow God. So it doesn't matter what you think your background is, your history is, how sinful you think you might be, you can be saved. God will save you. She went from the house of shame to the hall of faith. Just like that. Just by having faith. How did it happen? God had commanded his people, and we're going to read this here in just a moment, but he commanded his people to go to the the land of Canaan to take it over. And they came out of the wilderness. And we read a story last week. They walked around once a day for six days, seven times on the seventh day, tooted their horn, walls fell, life was good. That's, That's my summary of it. But what we need to remember is, Prior to that, Joshua had picked two men, two spies, to go in and to look scout the land out. And that's where they found Rahab. They met Rahab there, and that's where she was converted. Through their witness, she was converted, but it was through their witness. So we're going to read Joshua chapter 2, verse 1, and uh, then we're going to switch over to Hebrews chapter 11. Keep your seat, because this might be just a few minutes while we read this. We'll stand up for Hebrews. Joshua chapter 2, verse 1 says, And Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into Harlot's house, named Rahab, and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in the hither to not. Of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they become to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them and said, Thus there came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. And it came to pass about the time of shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out, whether the men went I will not pursue after them quickly, for ye shall overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with the stalks of the flax which she had laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan and to the fords. And as soon as they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. And before they were laid down, she came up unto them, Uh, Yeah, unto them, upon the roof. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when ye came out of Egypt, and what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan. Sihon and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt, neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Now therefore, I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord. Since I have showed you kindness, that ye will also show kindness into my father's house and give me a true token, and that ye will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. And the men answered her, Our life for yours, if ye utter not this our business. And it shall be when the Lord hath given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with thee, Then she let them down by a cord through the window, for her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt upon the wall. And she said unto them, Get you to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you, and hide yourselves there three days until the pursuers be returned, and afterward may ye go your way. And the men said unto her, We will be blameless of this thine oath which thou hast made us swear. Behold, when we come, now listen, this this is where it's getting into the, the good part. Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window which thou didst let us down by. And thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head and will be guiltless, and whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be on our head, in any hand be upon him, if any hand be upon him. And if thou utter this our business, then we will be quiet of thine oath, which thou hast made us to swear. And she said, according unto thy words, be so it, or so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed, and she bound the scarlet line in the window, And they went and came unto the mountain and abode there three days until the pursuers were returned. And the pursuers sought them throughout all the way, but found them not. So the two men returned and descended from the mountain and passed over and came to Joshua the son of Nun and told him all things that befell them. And they said unto Joshua, Truly the Lord hath delivered into our hands all the land, For even all the inhabitants of the country do faint because of us. I know that's a lot. Y'all probably sleeping now. But that story, when you look and you just pick that story apart, that is nothing more than an image of us. Not that we're prostitutes, but what I'm saying, we're sinners. We look at ourselves as somebody that cannot be changed, somebody that cannot be used by God. But then you look at Rahab, and she changed her ways. And we're going to look at how she changed her ways and who helped her change her ways. Stand with me just a moment. Wake up and stand up. We're going to read Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31. That's it. 11.31 says, By faith the harlot... I, they just had to throw that in there. By faith the harlot, Rahab, perish not with them that believe not, When she had received the spies with peace, with peace, let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for the reading of your word. And God, I pray that this will touch someone's heart. We may be here this morning thinking that we're just too bad to be saved. But Lord, that's the furthest thing from the truth. Lord, you love us all. You sent your son to die for each and every one of us. No matter what our history is, our background is, we just have to call upon the name of the Lord. And as your word says, that we can be saved. We shall be saved. Father, I pray today that the conviction will fall upon the hearts of those that may need salvation. God, we just ask for grace and mercy to be bestowed upon us today. God, we just ask for uh, great liberty as we preach. God, I pray that you just touch hearts of those that are here. Loosen my tongue, God, and I pray that you would bind up Satan and his demons outside the doors of this church. May they not interfere with our time of worship. We thank you for where you've provided for us this week. Lord, I thank you for being there with those that are grieving, those that are celebrating as well. And I pray, God, today that you would bless them that are blessing you. All this in your son's name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. First thing we're going to look at this morning is she was convicted by the Spirit. (coughs) Now, I'm not going to go back and read over any of that stuff because I know y'all don't want to hear it. See, if I could talk like Morgan Freeman, y'all would just love this, but I don't. So I'll just breeze back through it. But over in Joshua chapter 2 Verse 9 through 11, it tells us about the conviction that fell upon her. Can you imagine a sinful woman, I would call her an idol worshiper, making such a statement of faith? I'm going to switch back over here real fast. I want to look at one thing. She said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when ye came out of Egypt, and what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon, and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt. That part right there. As soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you, For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. She knew. They knew. There was conviction. They knew about God. They understood what he had done for them, how he had provided for them, how he had, again, dried up the sea, went in with the Amorites, killed the Amorites. They understood this. They understood what was taking place. They were scared. They were nervous. They should have been. They're getting ready to die. But can you imagine a sinful woman like this making such a statement? Nah. It's hard to wrap your mind around. Who had been working on her? Who in the world had been in Jericho preaching salvation? Who had been in Jericho talking about God? Who had been in Jericho reading Scripture? Nobody. Who had been talking to her? Not a soul. Nobody had been around. It was the Holy Spirit that was working on her. Over in John 6, the Bible tells us, No man can come to me, I love this, except the Father which hath sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. So that's how salvation works. <clears throat> it's not just a, something you just want to do. You're drawn into salvation. The Holy Spirit works on your heart. The Holy Spirit works on the person that's working with you. If it was, I'm, I'm going to use Ariel over here. If it was Ariel and, and the Lord has laid the conviction on her heart that she needs to be saved, he will draw, he will use someone else to help work with her, whether it be the preacher, her parents, or somebody. It will be someone, but he will always, he puts them together with, there will always be two. It will be the one that is convicted, and there will be one, a messenger, that can be used to help her along the way. How many of y'all... Can remember the day that you were saved, and who was with you. I'll never forget the day I saved. The preacher was preaching, of course, and he was my messenger. But I remember he preached, and I remember coming to the altar. But I also remember the Lord used Bob Townsend as 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 a messenger, and he got down with me at that altar, and he asked me questions and he read me scripture. He was my messenger. He was the one that God used while I was being convicted to help bring me to salvation. That way, when I came up, I wasn't confused about what I was experiencing and what I was feeling. It wasn't just a notion. It wasn't just something that mom and dad pushed me up there to the altar. It was just me and the Holy Spirit and Bob. And I knew it was right. I knew it was real. Think of the great city of Jericho and all the people that was in it. Do you think that it was by chance that they happened to go to the house of Rahab? Do you believe in I don't believe in chance. Do you think it was by chance that the spies went to Rahab? No. The conviction was on her heart because she knew the Lord. She knew of the Lord. And the Lord drew them spies to her. He put them together so that they could be a witness to her. It was a, a foresight of God. God is... God uses the Holy Spirit like a guided missile. It don't miss. Once He launches that thing out, it's, it no, it's going straight for the heart. It's going, and will not miss its mark. And then He's going to use people. He used these. He brought these two men right to the heart of the home, heart and the home of the woman, and He used them as He was preparing her heart. Used them as messengers, all over Avery County. The Holy Spirit is working right now all over Avery County. I don't care what end of Avery County you go to. The Holy Spirit's working on hearts right now, today, and tomorrow, and the next day. The Holy Spirit is constantly working on the hearts of people in our communities, always. He wants you to open and be receptive to his calling, that you will be drawn to those lost souls. That's what he wants. He wants to use his church that way so these people that are being prepared by the holy spirit his church can go in and and love on them and pray with them and help lead them to the lord out there he's preparing hearts right here he's preparing messengers out there there's people feeling conviction in here i hope you're feeling conviction to go out and help those that are convicted i hope the lord's leading you i hope that through whatever we've been preaching on for the past several weeks that it's preparing, you to, preparing your faith to be stronger, to go out and be that messenger, be that witness, be out there with that person that's convicted right now. Rahab experienced saving faith because the Holy Spirit had been working on her and she was ready to receive that salvation. The Holy Spirit was working on her. Not, not, the, not the two spies. They weren't working on her. Again, they were just the messengers. It was the Holy Spirit that was working in her heart. Secondly, she was convinced by the word. She was convinced by the word. After the spies explained the rules for her and her family's salvation, she says, according, this is what she says, according unto your words, so be it. According unto your words, so be it. James calls these two men messengers. That's what I call them. The Bible calls them spies as well. But James fluffs it up a little bit. He calls them messengers because, yes, they were spying in Jericho, but they were sent by God as well, not just Joshua. Joshua didn't just send two spies in. God sent two messengers in to speak to Rahab, to speak to her family, to bring... A calming sense upon her because what she told us in, the, in her words they were scared Jericho was scared of these people because they knew what their God could do so they were terrified but through the calming words of the messengers the reassurance of those messengers they brought a peace with them she felt that peace as well They were speaking God's words. She had faith because she said, So be it according to the word. What is real biblical faith? You ever thought about and that's what we've been preaching on for twelve, what number is this right here? This is number thirteen. So for however long we've been preaching on faith, have you have you come up with a good biblical definition of faith? It's not confidence. I don't want you to think faith is confidence. And it's not positive thinking. It's not wishing upon a star. And it's not leaping into darkness. It's stepping into light. It's stepping into faith. That's what faith is. It's stepping out into believing God. That's having faith in Him. You're stepping out and you're trusting Him and Him alone. Real faith is taking God at His word. Faith is your response to God's word. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's my signature in my emails. I truly believe that 100%. I have faith in that. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You got to hear the word of God. You got to have that conviction when you're reading the word of God. It's 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 working in your mind, it's working in your heart as we say it all the time. What one person's reading and feeling is not what the other person's reading and feeling. It works on each one of us differently. We're all experiencing something different every time we read the Word of God or we hear the Word of God. It's working on us, but we've got to hear it. It's important that you listen to that voice of God, that still small voice. It's important that you're listening to it constantly, getting familiar with it. Like I've said in the past, sometimes we get confused between the voice of the devil and the voice of God. Because we listen to the devil more than we do God, and we're so, we're so used to hearing the devil that we forget what God sounds like. Get back on track with God. Start having that conversation with God. Start listening to that still small voice. Have your time with him, praying, talking, reading. But have your time so that you understand his voice, that your heart may be tuned to the word of God, and you're listening to him. That you get with God and spend time with him. You'll never have faith until you begin to listen to God. You will not experience faith until you start listening to him. That's either Clayton or we got rats. I'm not sure what that is back there. I'm hoping it's not rats. Thirdly, Rahab was converted by the blood. She was converted... By the blood. Joshua 2.21, it says, And she bound the scarlet line in the window. They told her, tie that rope, that red rope, scarlet rope. Tie that rope in the, in the window. And when they see it, they're going to pass over the house. So what does that remind you of? What we talked about a couple weeks ago. The Passover. Remember they said for, for them to take uh, the, the blameless, uh, the sinless, uh, most perfect pure lamb that you can find you got to find this lamb and you got to slay it and i need you to take that lamb the blood of that lamb and take that hyssop and i need you to paint that blood across the doorpost and the lintel and as you do that then the death angel is going to pass by your house so that's the same thing we're talking about with rahab they needed something they needed a token, they needed a symbol, they needed something for the, so that they would pass by, so that salvation would pass by her house, so that they would not die. And so she took that red rope, the same rope that she let them down with, they said, place this rope back in your window, in your home, your mother, your father, your brothers, and your father's workers, they'll all be saved because we're going to pass by. See so that that's the thing about that scarlet, that that blood red that we see all throughout the Bible. That, that, that scarlet line, if you, if you really think about it, it runs throughout the Bible. From Genesis to the to the book of Revelation. We see that bloodline completely woven through the scripture. From, the, from end to amen, you're going to see that bloodline. What do you think the spies told her? Why do you think the spies these spies told her to put that in the window, that rope in the window? Because it was a symbol. It was symbolic. It was a reminder for them as well. Not not just for Rahab and her family, but it was symbolic for the messengers. I bet they've been waiting for a moment like this for a long, long time because of what they had read and what they had been taught growing up about the Passover. And so this was an opportunity for them to have a type of Passover in their, their lifetime. So it was, it was an exciting time for them. Rahab was saved from destruction because she had enough faith in God to hang that rope out. She had enough faith in God to place that scarlet line outside the window So that they would pass by. That scarlet line again. It's all through the Bible. If you go back into Genesis. Just look at Genesis in the Garden of Eden. What did God do? Follow man. They ate of the fruit. What did God have to do? God had to kill. Something that he had created. God had to kill. Something he created. There was bloodshed. He had to kill an innocent animal. When Abel offered his lamb and and God had had respect toward that lamb instead of Cain's vegetables, we've seen bloodshed. Again, there's that that line. You see Abraham offering Isaac and and the ram caught up in the thicket. We see bloodshed. When you see smoking altars and tabernacles, when you see them in in the Old Testament, they were taking the blood. And they were applying it to the altar, and the burnt sacrifice to the altar. we seen, well, we heard God say, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. We see that all throughout the Bible. Jesus had not yet died, and all these Old Testament symbols started pointing toward the blood redemption of Jesus Christ. Throughout the Bible, we've seen that bloodshed throughout the Bible we've seen folks coming to Jesus and coming to God by faith the Bible teaches us that all have sinned the Bible tells us plainly that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God we know that Rahab had fallen short you have fallen short I have fallen short there's generations coming that will fall short of the glory of God we know that. But we're all sinners. What can wash away my sin? Who should have sung that? Ain't nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's the only thing. There ain't, there ain't no water. There ain't no Clorox. There ain't no dish detergent out there. You ain't going to find nothing that can wash away your sins but the blood of Jesus. First John 1.7 says, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. One day the trumpet of judgment is going to sound. We know that. I got a memory I stopped at Subway down in Wilkes somewhere, outside of Wilkes yesterday, and I grabbed a little old Christian newspaper as was well going out the door. And the reason I got it is because of the, the head of it, or the header on it, it said, "Something about the second coming is closer." And I, I love to read that stuff. I just get different takes on it. But as I was reading that, I was thinking about Jericho and what we preached on last week. They marched for six days, once a day, and on the seventh day, they marched seven times, and on the seventh time, they blew that trumpet. And the walls come down. Someday, someday, a trumpet is going to sound, and the eastern gate's going to split wide open, and we're going to be going into that eastern sky. We're going to hear that trumpet. We're going to hear that sound. But where that scarlet cord waves, there's safety and refuge. So if we have that scarlet, if we have that blood applied to us, when that trumpet sounds, we're going home. If we have the blood of Jesus Christ applied to us, when that trumpet sounds, we got nothing to worry about. When that trumpet sounds and 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 heaven splits wide open and, and we are ushered up to be with God, we have nothing to worry about. Because that scarlet line, that scarlet thread has been woven through our hearts. The blood of Jesus has been applied to our hearts. And we've got nothing to worry about. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, the Bible tells us, his son cleanses us from all sin. Rahab was a prostitute, his blood covered that sin. You look at his disciples and the type of people that he had along and that he was around. How many times did you read in the Bible where Jesus was around good people? jesus hung out with sinners he hung out with them because he knew they could be saved. now i ain't telling you to go out to the bars and everything else tonight and start hanging out with that, that crowd and try to witness to them but i'm telling you everyone can be saved we got to pray for them and allow the holy spirit to convict their hearts like i said out there conviction is falling on hearts and here I hope conviction has fallen on the messenger to go out and speak to them, to pray for them, to work with them, to lead them to the Lord. You're the messenger. You're, one of the, you're just like the two spies. As a believer, you're a messenger. You're a disciple. It's time to go out there and find those that are convicted and lead them to the Lord because time here on earth is getting a little short. Every day, we're one day closer to heaven. I want to make sure that we can reach all those people that are lost and bring them on to Jesus. Stand with me. We're going to close up By faith. We've been reading a lot about faith here lately. By faith. What's God got in store for you? By faith. Are you going to listen to him? By faith, are you going to follow him? By faith, can you be that messenger that these guys were? By faith, follow God. Mind the Lord. Mind the Lord. Jonathan, would you dismiss us, please?